You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. When Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 165. Today's reading is from the book of James, chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Brethren, what does it profit if a man says he has faith but has not works? Can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is ill-clad and in lack of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what does it profit? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But some will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I by my works will show you my faith. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you shallow man, that faith apart from works is barren? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac upon the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by works. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. Each week as I look for the next reading that we'll discuss, I always check a spreadsheet that I created to, to help me keep track of what we've already discussed because my memory's not that good. And, and when I came to this reading, uh, which happens to pick up in James where we left off last week, I, I knew that we must have addressed this before, but surprisingly I didn't find any record of it. So here we are today, and, and probably a reading that causes more contention among Christians of various backgrounds, be they Orthodox or Roman Catholic, Evangelicals, and so forth. So, Father, which is it? Faith or works? Or both? Neither? Uh, would you help bring clarity to St. James' words here? Yeah, as you mentioned, obviously a hotly debated passage from St. James's epistle. As always, I want to analyze this passage in as much as possible outside the polemics of various Christian branches and denominations. Our goal here on this podcast is to simply present and explain Scripture in a way that helps our audience understand how the Bible is speaking to us so that we can then discern how to apply the biblical teaching in our daily lives. With that said, and because it can impact the way that we think about the text, in this case, I believe it's fair to briefly discuss how and why this passage from James has been so controversial, and then following that, we'll spend more time talking about salvation and the interplay of faith and works. That sounds like a good plan, Father. And it, and it seems to me that the controversy between, say, Roman Catholics and Orthodox on the one hand and Protestants on the other is due to the Protestant doctrine of sola fide, which was Luther's teaching that salvation comes by faith alone. Yeah, the correct, Jason. Uh, one of the early Protestant teachings was this sola fide doctrine that salvation comes 
through faith alone. That's what that means. And the problem with that teaching, I believe from a rather objective perspective, is that Luther also taught the doctrine of sola scriptura, which argues that scripture is the only authority in the church. Now, this becomes problematic because the only time in Scripture that we hear the words faith alone, which is what sola fide means, is in this passage from James's epistle. And specifically, he says, quote, You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone, end quote. So you can see that this is, is problematic. Uh, now, to be fair, we should understand that the Protestant movement began due to corruption in the Roman Catholic Church of the time, and, and specifically here we should mention the idea of indulgences where people were buying and selling certificates of salvation, not just for themselves, but for their departed relatives. So there was this false teaching going on where you could do certain works, you know, like uh, give the church enough money, for example, and you were told that you or your relatives were going to heaven, and with all of that in mind, then we can understand how people could go astray in one way or another and go to different extremes. And that is very, very briefly, of course, uh, the historical background that leads to the contention we have even today around this passage of St. James and how to understand it. Our goal here on this podcast is always is to be aware of this background information so that being cognizant of it, we may do as much as possible to free ourselves from reading theology into the text, and we want to understand rather what James is teaching us. Very good. And so, Father, what is James teaching here in this passage about faith and works? Well, briefly, I want to refer back to the previous episode. There we discussed how James's epistle is Pauline in nature, meaning that it corresponds to and complements Paul's teaching. And I bring this up because Many people cite this passage of James, and they argue it contradicts Paul in his teaching, but that simply is not the case. Yeah, I can definitely see how some people would come to that conclusion, since Paul argues that salvation is by grace through faith. So can you help us understand how Paul and James complement one another versus contradict one another? Well, we'll certainly give it a shot here. Let me state from the outset that James, in this passage— is likely trying to correct those who misunderstood or misinterpreted Paul's teaching. He's also correcting those today who similarly misunderstand or misinterpret Paul's teaching. And what do you mean by that? Paul certainly teaches, as you said, that salvation comes by grace through faith. But nothing that James says contradicts that in any way, shape, or form. However, there is a tendency and I should note that it's one that even Paul himself tries to correct in his own epistles. So there's this tendency for people to think uh, that salvation by grace through faith means they don't have to do anything to attain salvation. I think part of this comes from a misconception of what faith means, but it also comes from an incorrect understanding of God's grace. So maybe you could help us unpack what these things mean, both faith and grace. Okay, so let's start with faith. Uh, faith is often misunderstood. We tend to limit faith uh, as being just an intellectual belief. Obviously, there is a component of faith that is about an intellectual belief, but it doesn't stop there. The word faith in Scripture from the original languages could be translated as faith or belief or trust. And it's this last word, trust, 
that I think we often neglect. So again, we limit ourselves when we simply understand faith as an intellectual belief. So to understand the fullness of what is being conveyed biblically with that word that gets translated faith, we must also recognize it implies trust. This is important because trust implies action. If you trust someone or something, then you act in a certain way uh, that you would not act if you didn't trust them. An example I like to use is a little child with a balloon. You watch a young child let go of a balloon that they've been given, and, and you see the shock and the sadness in their face when the balloon starts drifting away. I've, I know my kids, they would start crying because they, they saw the balloon. It's not coming back to them. They thought it would. And this frustration and disappointment and anger is because they have come to trust gravity. Now, recognize the child can't sit down and, and talk to you about gravity and explain it. They don't have a name for it. There's no full intellectual understanding of gravity and how it works, yet through their experience, they've come to trust gravity. And so they trust that when they let go of their balloon, they're going to be able to come back and pick it up later. Of course, we know that's not going to happen, but this child has come to trust his or her understanding of gravity. And important thing that I want to highlight is they're acting on that trust by releasing the balloon. Now, for us, we need to understand faith in a similar way. Faith means that we trust God and we thus behave in certain ways because of that trust. So a Christian who truly trusts in God will behave in ways that do not immediately benefit them. In fact, they may be detrimental in the short term because we trust that there is a judgment that works contrary to the laws of this world. And our ultimate example, of course, is Jesus Christ, trusted that God would reverse the judgment of this world against him, and he was therefore willing to submit to a humiliating and brutal death in the form of crucifixion. To understand the word faith in the Bible, we need to recognize it's not limited to an intellectual belief, but includes this aspect of trust, which consequently impacts the way we behave. So do I understand this correctly, Father, that the way we behave is essentially our works, as James expresses it. Yeah, I think that's a correct way to understand it. Okay, so before we move on to the biblical concept of grace, I'd like to address what you said about Paul and James complimenting one another and how Paul himself also seeks to correct those who might limit his teaching to interpreting faith as, as merely an intellectual belief. Okay, so quite broadly, we could point to the fact that Paul, in his epistles, is almost entirely concerned about the practical implications of his teaching. And by that, I mean that Paul is teaching people how to live, how to behave. Again, broadly speaking, he is hammering home the point about the reconciliation of Jew and Gentile. And by that, it means the reconciliation of all humanity to one another, all of us sitting at the table of fellowship between the one and only biblical God. So that is the overarching teaching of Paul. Faith in God ipso facto requires a certain way of behaving. But more specifically to this point in his seminal epistle, the epistle to the Romans in chapter 2, verse 13, I want to quote it for you here. He says very succinctly, quote, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. End of the quote. So for his part, James, as I alluded to in, in last week's episode, 
is so poignant and straightforward in his teachings and examples. And as we heard from him in today's reading, quote, if a brother or sister is ill-clad and in lack of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving him, without, excuse me, without giving them the things needed for the body, what does it profit? End of quote. As we have this saying in our culture, talk is cheap. And both James and Paul are showing us that salvation is not cheap. Speaking of that, uh, of salvation not being cheap, uh, let's conclude today by uh, discussing the biblical concept of grace. And, And you just said salvation is not cheap. Yet in the Bible, we hear that salvation is freely given. That's that's actually what grace means, I believe. We hear, quote, freely you received, freely give. So how do we reconcile what you said, uh, that salvation is not cheap? Yeah, very good question. And I want to express the biblical concept of grace using two different phrases or analogies. And I think you can see how to reconcile that salvation is, as you said, free. It's by grace, yet that it's not cheap. These uh, concepts have really helped me in understanding it, and, and I hope explaining it. The first is a saying that I've shared before on previous episodes. It's a word play that Father Paul Tarazi has used to help us understand the biblical concepts of grace and salvation. He says that salvation is free of charge, but with a charge. In other words, salvation is a free gift, it is through grace, but it comes with a commandment to behave in a certain way or certain ways. And this leads to the second analogy. Salvation is like an inheritance. You can, by definition, never earn an inheritance, but you can lose it. So if we understand these concepts, we get out of the false paradigm by which we began this podcast. Namely, there is no faith versus works, faith or works, etc. There is the Pauline teaching, with which James's epistle totally aligns, that salvation comes by grace through faith. It is free of charge, but with a charge, meaning with a commandment. It can never be earned, but it can be lost. So God, in advance of the judgment, has decided to be gracious to us, to forgive our sins, and to show us his mercy. And as a charge, he has commanded that we behave likewise towards those who trespassed against us, to use the saying from the Lord's Prayer. So we've done nothing to earn this grace. However, if we don't respond to this charge, to this commandment that he gave us, then we will certainly lose his grace on the day of judgment. He will judge us harshly. Therefore, we do well to listen to the teaching of James today and put our faith into action lest we be cut out of the inheritance that God wishes to distribute to us of his own goodwill. This has been very helpful today, Father. Thank you. In today's episode, we discussed one of the more commonly debated passages in Scripture, which is found in James chapter 2. This reading often stirs up arguments that pit faith against works. And many people cite this passage of James and argue that it contradicts Paul's teaching as well. They come to that conclusion because Paul argues that salvation is by grace through faith. But these debates miss the mark because they stem from a misconception of what the word faith means 
as well as an incorrect understanding of God's grace. To help us understand, Father Aaron explained that we tend to limit faith to an intellectual belief. But faith can also be translated as trust. And this is crucial to our understanding because trust implies action. A Christian who truly trusts in God will behave in ways that do not immediately benefit them. And in fact, they may be detrimental to them in the short term. Because we trust there is a judgment that works contrary to the laws of this world. And so the way we behave is essentially what James refers to as our works. We then turn to questions surrounding how to reconcile the notion that salvation is free and yet not cheap. Here Father reminded us that salvation is free of charge but with a charge. Salvation is a free gift. It is through grace. But it comes with a commandment to behave in a certain way. Salvation can also be likened to an inheritance. You can never earn it, but you can lose it. By understanding these concepts correctly, we can escape from this false paradigm. There is no faith versus works found in the Pauline teaching, nor is it found in James' epistle. Salvation comes by grace through faith. It is free of charge, but with a charge. It can never be earned, but it can be lost. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia.